Welcome to Stories of Runeterra. My name is Guy Black, or Ravenhood on the interwebs, and I'm just a humble storyteller here to draw you into the vast world of Runeterra by Riot Games. The Riot Games community has crafted an incredible universe where the forge burns ever on. Each week, we jump into the Riot Games universe and narrate something from the world of Runeterra off of the Riot Games universe site. Think of this whole thing as an audiobook project of League stories and lore by yours truly. This week's story is Orn, the fire below the mountain. And now my attempt at a terrible impression. I have had enough. Orn is the Freljordian demigod of forging and craftsmanship. He works in the solitude of a massive smithy, hammered out from the lava caverns beneath the volcano hearth home. There, he stokes bubbling cauldrons of molten rock to purify ores and fashion items of unsurpassed quality. When the other deities, especially Volibear, walk the earth in metal and mortal affairs, Orn arises to put these impetuous beings back in their place, either with his trusty hammer or the fiery power of the mountains themselves. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply very quickly. I can't thank you enough for joining me on this fun project of mine. The, uh, I'm calling it an audiobook, but you know, I have no clue what it's actually going to end up being. It's been fun and it is still fun, but I'm wanting to let you know, I'm going to be taking a break for the month of May. I'm a teacher and May is the end of the school year. It's fourth quarter and life is absolutely bonkers. So I We'll be taking a break for the month of May, but we will kick it right back off at the beginning of June. So Orn is going to be our last episode for what I'm calling season four or five. I don't remember how I've labeled it. And we'll start the next season come June for the summer. And maybe we'll figure out a way that we can do some organized, uh, some more organization to the actual episodes more than just my whimsy. Though I like my whimsy because it tastes like purple, right? I don't even know what that means. Anyway, thank you for listening. Uh, go ahead and share the backlog. Go listen to some episodes you have. Again, hit me up on social media and let me know what you would like to see coming back in summer if there's anything I can do to make update the podcast. In the meanwhile, I'll still be rela- releasing episodes for my other podcast that I record with my buddy Moose Captain called the Gamer Alchemy Podcast, and we're doing a little bit of a background about us. Our history as gamers, our experience, why we love what we do, uh, our game design aspirations, and the like. So, a little bit of an introduction over there before we kick off another series of uh, mashups between games. In the meantime, thank you again for listening. Like, share, rate it in your podcast provider. You know the whole deal for this. And I'll be back in June with our next uh, whole cadre of champions, because we have a ton to do. Thanks again, and now on to Orn, the fire below the mountain, because I have said enough. 
Orn's name was once spoken throughout the lands that would one day become known as the Freljord. It was widely held that he was the firstborn of the old demigods who had shaped the land itself and brought forth the first snows. More than any other of his kind, Orn was said to value privacy, solitude, and focus. Beneath a dormant volcano that bore scars from some ancient eruption, he labored day and night, forging whatever his heart desired. The results were priceless tools destined for feats of legend. The lucky few who have stumbled upon these relics note their bewilderingly high quality. Some even claim that Brahms' shield was made by Orn thousands of years ago and remains as sturdy as the day it was finished. No one can be sure, however, for none can find the forge god to ask him. Almost all the tales of Orn's deeds and accomplishments have been excised from history by his enemies and the slow march of time. The few that remain are remembered by the handful of tribes who can trace their lineage back to a single culture of blacksmiths, architects, and brewmasters. This long-lost populace was known as the Hearthblood, apprentices who journeyed from all corners of Valoran and gathered on the slopes of Hearthholm to follow Orn's example. Despite this imitative form of worship, Orn never considered himself their patron. He would only give them curt nods or frowns when they offered up their work, and yet the Hearthblood accepted this and were determined to hone their skills. As a result, they came to create the finest tools, design the sturdiest structures, and brew the tastiest ales the world had ever beheld. They believed Orn secretly approved of their perseverance and the fact that they were always looking to better themselves and their craft. But in one catastrophic night, all the hearth blood had accomplished was destroyed when Orn battled his brother Volibear at the mountain's peak, for reasons no mortal could comprehend. The resultant cataclysm was a storm of fire and ash and lightning so intensely violent that it was seen ten horizons away. When the dust settled, Hearthholm was a smoldering caldera, and the hearth blood were reduced to scattered bones and cinders. Though he would never admit it, Orn was devastated. Through the hearth blood, he had glimpsed the sweeping potential of mortal life, only to see it all lost beneath the indiscriminate wrath of his immortal struggle. Racked with guilt, he retreated to the isolation of his foundry and buried himself in his work for an age. Now, Perhaps he senses that the world is on the cusp of a new era. Some of his siblings appear to have taken physical form once more, their cults of followers growing restless and aggressive. The frail yord itself is fractured and leaderless. The ancient horrors are lurking in the shadows, waiting for any opportunity to strike. In the wars to come, and in their aftermath, Orn knows that the frail yord and the rest of Terra will have the need of a good blacksmith. All right, bear with me. I'm going to have some fun with this one. This story of Orin's is entitled The Voice from the Hearth by Matt Dunn. No one knew who lit the fire, but we saw the plume of smoke from far away. The winter's claw had driven our tribe north where the land was so harsh that even our war mother, Oglavana, shivered through the first night. Our Elnuk herd died on the second. At least we had food for the third. But even that feast was a memory as we climbed the mountain with no peak. Legless Crake called it the half-mountain of old Orn, and our shaman had lost his mind. But Oglavana bade us carry the fool, 
He'd convinced her that our survival lay at the source of that mysterious smoke, and the rest of us believed we were marching to our doom. The slopes of the half-mountain were a tortured landscape of black stone. We found ruins of a forgotten city shown on no map, now just a maze of charred foundations. Craig, perched atop Boren's shoulders, insisted it was once named Hearthome. Dark clouds to the east flashed lightning, and winds carried the stench of wet fur and sweet decay. Our scouts did not return. We all knew what this meant, but none of us wished to utter the word Ersine aloud. We climbed until we stood at the edge of the vast crater. Then, Creek saw the fire. This was odd, because Legless Creek was also blind. In the centre of that basin was a surge of smoke venting into the sky. Oglavana reasoned that at least the steep cratered walls offered respite from the howling winds, and so we descended into what would likely be our grave. The smouldering terrain proved difficult to navigate, but any halt would mean our to bow our heads and accept slaughter. And then, then we saw the furnace, the dome structure that was only one that looked handmade. It was crafted like the head of a great ram, with tufts of goat grass in the spaces between the smooth flagstones, and in the ram's mouth was a flame so bright we could find it with our eyes closed. We huddled round it for warmth while Oglavana laid out the plans for our last stand. It was better to die on our feet than shivering and huddled in the cold. Most of us were farmers, builders, menders, and few were skilled in combat like the other tribes. We cared for our elderly, our sick, and our children. And now, we were far from the aid of the Averosans, but the war craves only blood and bones. We could only ever stand a chance against the Winter's Claw. If the earth scene struck first, our defence would be terrifyingly short. That hideous legion of half-bare abominations would overwhelm us. And soon enough, we heard the battle growls growing louder, along with the clamour of their footsteps. We smelled their stench. Hundreds descended the cliffs, like shadows twisting down the basalt slopes. We fashioned spears from our stretchers and sharpened our carving knives on the flint. We would minister the rite of lamb to our elderly and wounded, and the rest of us would dance with the wolf. It would all be over by morning. No one saw who stoked the fire, but it grew so hot that we had to back away. And then the furnace spoke, its voice like crackling logs. Volibear is near, it said. Seek shelter now. There's no shelter to seek, Oglavana replied to the fire in the forge. We knew not in whose presence we stood. Enemies are at our heels and the Ursine are flanking us. The Ursine and the forge grew hotter at these words will be stopped. The other problems are your own. The goat grass caught fire. The flagstones grew red and hot around the edges, then towards their centres. Steam sizzled from the cracks. Some shed their clothes to seek reprieve as the temperature rose, others fainted, and the next wave of blistering heat dropped us all back to our knees, gasping for air. I'd never thought I'd see the day, cried Creek, weeping tears of joy. 
Stone began to drip like candle wax. Masonry flowed down the base of the structure, and domed top of the forge melted inward, pulling the rest of the outer shell into a molten pool. A flash of orange light blinded us, briefly silhouetting a humanoid figure. Then a geyser of flame spouted into the air, drops of molten rock hardened on the ground at our feet. Where the massive forge had stood, there was now a hulking beast, its form blurred by waves of heat. There it was, the forgotten legend Creek always told us about. Old Orn. As tall as three frost pines, the ancient forge master cooled rapidly into fur and form lava dribbling down his chin and hardening into a braided beard. His eyes were glaring embers, in one hand he carried a hammer, and in the other he hefted an anvil with equal ease. We gathered behind our war mother. Oglavana gripped Felswig, her true ice axe, and a porouched Orn. If the Ersines are your foes, we'll fight by your side, she said. Then, in a gesture unbecoming of an ice-born war mother, she bent the knee and laid her weapon at Orn's feet. Felswig's true ice melted, revealing an ordinary bronze and iron axe beneath. I had never seen true ice melt. No one had ever seen true ice melt. We felt it wise to join Oglavana in her kneeling. Orn grunted, Stand up. Kneeling is death. He looked at the gathering thunderstorm swirling overhead. I will deal with the Ursine. Do not follow me. He lumbered toward the advancing horde, who charged forward with vicious speed. We could see his fire reflected in their large eyes. Boren hoisted the old shaman higher under his shoulders. <laughs> old Orn swinging his hammer, he pounds the valleys and mountains! The legless fool half sung. We watched in stunned silence as the creature stood alone against the air sign. With a roar, he brought his hammer down to the ground and a fissure cracked towards the advancing army, stopping just short of their vanguard. Spouts of lava and sulfur jetted into the sky. Hardened fire rained down on the half-bare warriors. Whatever old Orn was, he fought with the hot blood of the earth. Behind the Ursine, giant chunks of slag broke through the ground, cutting off their retreat. Orn charged and smashed them with more swings of his hammer, and still they attacked with the viciousness of ten berserkers each. But we knew when Orn eached the rear guard, there was a deafening explosion. The slag walls shattered, and Ursine flew through the air in contorted arcs of burning flesh and fur. The sky darkened with ash. Columns of smoke rose to clash with the menacing thunderclouds, and bolts of lightning laced through the haze. The world grew eerily still as the thousand-pierced bear itself took to the battlefield. We could see its telltale shape, spears, swords, tusks, all were stuck in its hide, and lightning followed in its wake, and it laughed. The answering blare of the horn shook our insides. Lava bled from the black cliffs. Rivers of fire flowed down the slopes, rushing toward the valley basin and formed a surging wave. Bolts of lightning stabbed back at the cliffs to cauterize the wounds in the rock and a thick caustic fog blanketed the entire caldera. We only saw blue-white bolts and hellish crimson explosions filtered by the thick vapor. 
The heat from below the ground scorched the soles of our boots. Then we saw the surging wave of flame form into a great stampeding ram. Orn charged at the molten beast, catching the thing he had named as Volibear between his shoulder and the lava ram. The force of the explosion toppled us all. The legless shaman was thrown a hundred paces from Boren's shoulders, laughing the whole time. We waited all night for the cataclysm to overtake us, but it never came. We only heard the roars of the thousand-pierced bear and the gruff bellowing of the forge ram. When the pall lifted in the late morning, we saw that the slopes around us were covered in chunks of hissing scree, and unnatural columns of crusted basalt rose at odd angles from the ground. As we realized what stood before us, we recoiled in horror and awe. The Ersene were frozen in stone, their faces petrified masks of agony. We did not see any sign of Orn or Volibear. We had no time to look, either. The hunting horns of the winter's claw announced their approach. We picked up our weapons and dug in our heels. What remained of our clothes was scorched tatters of cloth, but our skin was no longer prickled with cold. Oglavana's hair had been singed away, her muscular back braided with heat. Her once true ice axe was bronze and iron, as naked as we were. She had never looked stronger. Our blood boiled. Our stomachs growled. We were raw and blistered, bare and exposed. We smeared our chests in ash, in the shape of a hammer, and ram's horn stood upon our faces. We sang and chanted in the memory of last night, with the words of Old Man Creek. We knew who lit the fire, and the winter's claw would know too. Oh my goodness. I know I say that after a lot of these, but I'll tell you right now, my favorite of these stories are the volley bears, the orns. I particularly enjoyed Amumus and Skarners, and the, it's these stories that are written as mythologies. Like, that's my jam. It's people trying to explain the world around us. It's wrestling with those ideas of what is real what's not real is there something beyond this world we live in and trying to explain that and the mysterious visions of people i'm listening to a book right now called that hideous strength by c.s lewis and if you didn't know uh the guy who wrote chronicles of narnia also wrote a sci-fi trilogy now if you're gonna read it read it with a grain of salt it's probably not what you expect when i say sci-fi also has some of C.S. Lewis's worldview behind it. Um, anyway, I love the whole thing, and I'm finally listening to the third in the series. So, yeah. Anyway, loved this story. Again, uh, don't forget, I'm not going to be releasing any for the month of May. I'm going to be on hiatus. I'll be taking a break. And then we will come back the 1st of June with a renewed vigor and summer ahead of us and my first year as a teacher done. Thanks again for listening. I appreciate it. Share, like, review in your nearest podcast provider, or just tell me hi on social media. That makes my day as much as anything else. Catch you later. <sighs> Bye.